Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. Going to be looking at the World Encyclopedia of Comics, edited by Maurice Horn. A new book for me, but a uh, kind of a classic in the reference library section of Comics World. Before we dive into this, we are working cartoonists, and the way we make money is you buy our books. So Red Room Trigger Warnings, the second season of Ed Piscor's classic comic, Red Room, is available now for pre-order. It will be in stores in late September. Perfect for the holiday season, and it'll look good on your shelf next to the Antisocial Network. So pre-order that one today wherever you buy comics. Hulk Grand Design, Monster Madness, the collected oversized treasury edition, coming to your store in December. Pre-order that one now to make the perfect Christmas present. And Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive, out of print for a year, back in stores now. Pre-order that one if your store hasn't gotten it already. We will also be on the road quite a bit in October. If you are in the Columbus area in the beginning of October, the 6th through the 9th, we will be at CXC. Stop by. Let's talk some comics. At the end of the month, we will be in Baltimore for Comic-Con there, October 28th to the 30th, the uh, birthplace of cartoonist Kayfabe. And you can catch me at Jacksonville Public Library for Comic and Zine Fest on October 22nd. With that out of the way, Ed, let's look at this classic comic that uh, I have not heard of this until I was going through all of my Hulk reads and coincidentally... There is an ad that ran in The Incredible Hulk, and I'm sure in many of Marvel's comics in the uh, 76, 77 time frame. This encyclopedia is published. The date is 1976, so I have a feeling they were running these ads for quite a bit around that time. As you can see, it's a giant book, but full-page ad in the uh, last page in this issue of Hulk. So they were spending some money on it. 800 pages, 9 by 12. That's an really uh, ambitious project in the, in the 70s. And I should say, this came from a kayfaber, Adrian Feather. Uh, we traded some stuff through the mail, and uh, this was what I came out with. So thank you, Adrian, for bringing this to my attention. It feels like a book that good libraries would have had. It feels like a book that if I had gotten this at any point in my life before age 45, it would have just been the greatest thing ever. Absolutely. Talk about tickling your, your behind with a feather in a way, because this is not relegated. This is the world encyclopedia. So you're getting your first glimpses of Mobius in here, presumably. You're getting uh, Lone Wolf and Cub imagery is is, is visible. And if this is, what, 76? Yes. Uh, it's, what, 86 when we get our first issue of Lone Wolf and Cub? You know what I mean? So you got to... It's extensive. you got to hunt for a decade to get more of that. You can see by the uh, contributors, like they're represented, you know, Italy, Germany, Spain, Philippines, Great Britain, Canada, uh, Japan, Yugoslavia, and Australia, besides the U.S. So it really, when they say World Encyclopedia, it is well represented. There's a lot of manga in here. Chelsea House Publishers, not quite familiar. Yeah, I don't know them. It's a New York publisher, and uh, this is already a second printing. So first printing July 76, August 76. Like the first printings must have blown out very quickly or... I don't know what. Maybe there was some major correction they needed to make, but I, I think that probably a book this size, that's an expensive, if it was a mistake, that'd be an expensive mistake to make. I think more likely it did well. Sure. Um, here's something that was weird paper-wise, and we're kind of going to go through, you can see some entries are flagged, but if you look, there's this one white line of paper. We often talk about paper, and I wanted to mention it before I forget. So it's not color, huh? There is a color section, but this one section of paper is like a different paper stock or something, like... I don't know how well that shows up on screen, but it's it's a signature is what it is. Yeah. And you can kind of see, like, weird, right? Like how white this is compared to the rest of the paper, and it's just one signature. Yeah. I have no idea what that's about. I thought it might be related to the second printing, but I don't have any proof for that. Um, you can see in the table of contents what's in here. In addition to all of your entries, which are creators, 
characters, books, comic strips, you know, like it's, they kind of blur the lines, you know, as to what we're looking at in the entries, which is, is great. I don't know how else you would do it, but there's also intros like comics of the world. There's a 30 page article of like, you know, history of comics in yeah. here. The, the names that we see here are some important names also in terms of pushing comics content out to the, to the regular world. So there's like the, the, the guy who, the guys who wrote like uh, all the color for a dime, like his name's mentioned in there. Uh, all the most important Jim Steranko is in here. Yeah, of course. All the important guys of like early comics fandom. Yeah, definitely. And, and really early. I mean, being, you know, 1975 is kind of the cutoff for this. It's really interesting, you know, like uh, you mentioned Mobius being in here. It's not it's not Mobius the way we say Mobius. It's Jean Giraud yeah. and, and Blueberry, uh, you know, before Mobius really becomes Mobius. So it is it is interesting, the time period for it all. Yeah. Little intro. Here's your comics of the world. This short history that, like I said, is 30 pages and really gets into some detail, you know, and it's got the classics from Lionel Finnegar and Windsor McKay pretty much all the way through Bud Fisher, Harriman. Did you mention the dummies uh, used to, to, to just, like, create this thing? Like, all, all kinds of paste up and There's so much photostatting is required? That's the thing. If I had gotten hold of this, I mean, a lot of this art would have been the first time I ever saw many of these creators. Totally. Is that some Kamui shit over 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 there, dude? Sampai Shirado? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this Hawks of the Sea. Like, I have uh, a kitchen sink collection of this ready to deploy at any time to make an episode. So we've, we've gone through like comic strips and some of the history kind of of comics form and how it gets here. The rise of the comic book. We all think of like uh, famous funnies. Yeah. Not so. A decade before there, Japan was creating these cheap mass produced, regularly scheduled comic books in the 20s. That's fantastic. So it's wild, you know, like it, it's really thorough what they're putting together in here. Yeah, dude. And it makes sense, man. Like Kniff would be referenced by Kirby and you got to have Absolutely. your Alex Raymond joint. When you have that, then you got to have um, how Foster shouldn't be far away. Fucking Jacques Tardy. No, you know? E.P. Jacobs. Um, Editions du Lombard. I don't know where that is, if that's uh, French. Probably because they do cover a lot of the European publishing yeah. history as well. So you can see we're getting into, into the 50s now. So we're going to find out about censorship in comics and stuff. Charles Schultz, you know, you get to the 50s and Schultz comes up. And this is so cool too, man, because he's not even called Astro Boy. Right. It's Tetsuo on Adam. And, and the same one, we, if, there's, uh, if we see the Lone Wolf and Cub, it's not, they, didn't, they didn't settle on Lone Wolf and Cub as the title. Uh, Robert Crumb, so you even get some of the underground comics are referenced Pharaoh. in here. It's really impressive. Guido Creep Packs and shit. It's really impressive. Barbarella. It's, like I said, this book blew my mind. I've been looking at it for a couple of weeks since it showed up at my place. Uh, here's our history, a timeline. So, again, a nice reference piece. This stuff, I would have read, I would have read this to pieces. Oh, absolutely. It would have been the greatest thing ever. Glimpses of Kirby sprinkled throughout. Dude. Yeah. Some, some GoGo 13. You could just keep rocking and we could talk. GoGo 13 is, you know, like that's on their timeline. And it's it's amazing to think about like from 75 to now and what GoGo 13 continued to grow into to in this the day. decades since then. You know, the, the old man rest just in peace. massive. But it's still coming out. More creep hacks. Yeah. Doonesbury Jules was Pfeiffer. huge. Yeah. Like, like in my elementary school library that was a set of comics that would be there and it's like alex Toth. i would get that stuff out and read it and it meant nothing you know uh uh what do you call hunter thompson references and stuff to to like a third grader mean nothing 
so getting into the alphabetical entries, and, and uh, I want to continue down the uh, Gary Trudeau for a minute because in the back they're going to have a history of uh, newspaper syndication, mm -hmm. and they talk about how most of the people making comics at this point, the comic strips, are in their 60s or 70s. Yeah. And Trudeau's like the one exception in that I guess his syndicate was kind of built on the success of him. Like they found this young guy in his 20s. Uh, to do comics when nobody was really doing, no, no new blood was coming into comics strips. So part of the reason that stuff is such a success, one, I think it built that syndicate. Yeah. So that's why you're getting collections places that maybe uh, maybe they don't appeal to school kids. Um, but that's what happens, you know, like somebody had an eye for talent and, and brought in a new voice. See, I'm seeing so much stuff that I don't even recognize, but it puts me on the hunt, you know. there's I don't know if there's ever been a good alley-oop collection yet. Yeah, I don't know. There's so many collections that it's hard. I don't. I can't keep up with Ashita, all of them. Ashita Nojo, baby. Yeah, I thought you would appreciate that. That's so cool. When you guys watch Man Bend and, and you see those grizzled old mangaka talking about their influences, Ashita Nojo always comes up. Like when characters died in Ashita Nojo, it was like a national holiday. Like people, like they didn't have to go to work the next day. And even when I was out there in Japan, uh, they were promoting like a stage play that of Ashita Nojo that was that was happening uh, when, when I was out there at that time. They talk about it whenever that the one character's killed and uh, during there, there's a silent prayer, there's a 10 count with a bell and uh, during the prayer people could be heard sobbing from all corners. <laughs> you know like it's amazing. The, the the name the name Arn was popular the year that Prince Valiant had a kid named Arn. Like this stuff penetrated the wider culture in a big way. This is interesting. Okay, so he is outed carl yeah, barks. this is a carl barks entry not carl, a duck entry carl barks is known you know like long the anonymous artist so at this point he's outed and it's people like donna maggie thompson and glenn bray who are responsible for finally figuring out who is the good duck artist look at this spread so we've got a carl barks entry that's great like it kind of gives his background as how of how he got into doing the comics Barbarella, yeah. a, a book we haven't covered yet, but I feel like we talk about all the time and eventually we'll get it on the channel. And Barnaby, Crockett Johnson's uh, very iconic and unusual comic strip in here. And again, they talk about, you know, the stuff that are, is in the entries of the entries that, you know, that I'm familiar with. It's all really valuable information. It's, it's incredible. This George Cruikshank dude is a guy who's mentioned a lot by people like Robert Crumb as being an illustrative influence. Yeah, it makes sense. And you can see like 1700 to 1800s is when he lived. So they're going back. Like they're really digging into the history of this stuff. Some of that's covered in that, uh, like the history of comics essay too. Like there's certain stuff where they're like, you can't, you can't do hieroglyphics, for example, as a reference of modern comics because it's a different, it's a different model as information. Yeah. But then they do have examples that you can use. Here's a big entry on Robert Crumb. And you can see like some of some they're not all created equally. You know, Crumb's getting more than a page of coverage, which seems right. You know, it's it's one of the giant giants in uh comics history. Wow, this is interesting, man. The guy who created Pinocchio is in here for some reason. Yeah, that was really big in Italy when we were there. Yeah, sure. Italian creator. Cyborg. Uh, oh, 09, man. That Shotaro Ishimori dude made more pages than Osama Tezuka. He's the guy who did that uh, Zelda comic that we talked about that. in our thing. He's a creator of Masked Rider. So he is essentially that whole uh, Tokusensai, big robot. Yes. You know, Power Rangers type thing. Like, he created that. Like, 
dude has a very important pedigree in pop culture. It's kind of neat to see the reproductions too, because think of this as like some of the first American reproductions of manga probably, and it's like, how do we do these gray tones or color tones? Or... Dude, that is just <laughs> straight from a page of Shonen, whatever the fuck yeah. that, that that was, man, and you just got to get all the grit and shitty printing <laughs> that comes with it. Gilbert Shelton gets a little... Ch More undergrounds here, Freak Brothers. It's so fun too, because that's like it's like fresh pretty much you know that's from issue two i believe and then you got lee falk the phantom guy on the set like i love dude this this is cartoonist kayfabe this is yes yeah the, it is the proto cartoonist kayfabe in a nutshell where you got lee falk that's a crumb and completely 100 percent. and uh i do want to show off a couple other features in this book as we go gogo 13 it blows my mind the manga that's covered in here. Like they did a really good job of figuring that out. Although Archie Goodwin gets a nice entry, and he's still still living, which is great. Um, so many of these cartoonists too. That's the saddest part for me is going through and reading some of these entries because a lot of the open entries they're not open anymore. I know, know, man. And 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 the fact that they like leave that space, it feels eerie. Yeah. No pun intended. As being the writer of eerie comics. Right. So color and comics, basically going through and showing examples of some of the uh, the different coloring techniques and uh, influences. And the color in this book, I don't think is particularly great. And I wonder, I, I don't know what that is. If it has something to do with what they're maybe shooting from like printed old faded samples or something like that. Yeah. But it has a certain look to it that I think is, doesn't highlight color perfectly. But no. it's color printing in, in the 70s and trying to figure out like, how do you how do you reproduce an old, you know, Barney Google strip yeah. in yeah. color at this point? It was a real challenge in those days. That Smithsonian book on comic book comics, like, it has the exact... Oh, that's Frank Bellaby. I was going to say, yeah, right? How many times have we heard this come up from, like, a Brian Bolin or Dave Gibbons? Yeah. Like, and, the and way, you can really see, like, it's pretty extraordinary looking. The way that I know him is from... Uh, he did comics of Thunderbirds Argo. Yeah. And uh, I got I got a bunch of that stuff. Look at that for uh, a gutter. Yeah, it's cool. It's wild. Captain Easy, get some Roy Crane. Uh, Crum again, Barry Windsor-Smith. Richard Corbin, one of the most talented artists of the underground comics. Uh, some of the, the, the Corbin entry in, in this book is really great. Kuro Maltese. This is funny because like most of this is black and white, right? I wonder what yeah. they're referencing for a color, like a, uh, I don't know, title page or something like that. Faust. <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> like, I don't know this. Yeah, I don't know this one either. And I bet it's not easy to pronounce because you would have said the name. That's by true. Now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what I was, that's what I was fishing for. Zengus Khan? Zengus Khan? I don't know, that's man. Okay. But it's out of Europe, uh, nevertheless. This is one of my favorites. They chose a perfect strip, too, dude. Look at that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's real good. <laughs> More Frank Bellamy. And I think Dan Dare is, is the thing that I usually hear people reference with, uh, with Bellamy. This is a weird misstep because it's Doctor Strange and they say Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. That's good. But that's uh, Gene Colan. Yeah. Although I love this image. I don't remember. I, I've never seen this page, but that face on him is scary looking. Yeah, did the chameleon They should have stuck with that for a few, a few issues. So, again, just kind of a broad sample, but showing off like some of some manga coloring. Oh, that's cool, man. They have a Kamui entry in here, and it references Garo. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's where, they did it, that's their where work, it showed you know? up. They did their work. That's where it showed up. Eisner, Smurfs. Peo, is that what? Yeah, yeah, Peo, yeah. Super awesome. Hold up. Did you go to this Tarzan? Is it... Now... It would be super thorough if it's Bern Hogarth and Hal oh, Foster. Oh, it is. That's ha Harold fun, Foster dude. 
And then it talks about Bern Hogarth taking over the strip from Harold Foster that and turning so it into one of the most celebrated adventure strips in comics history. That is really cool, man. As a, as a two-page spread, that's about as good as you're going to get in a comics history. Although this one, geez, pretty pretty good. Yeah. Man, Thimble Theater and, and Tezuka on the I mean, same page. It, it, like if you're going to be, be in our universe, you've got to be agnostic. You know, like really it's like all the comics. Wonder Woman. It's all comics. Yeah, dude. Like, this artist is a guy. And then I would be able to... See, they don't have the no, artist name. No, they don't name. have the artist name. But I have some reprints of that early Wonder Woman. And it's so cool because the line art's just different than, like, all the other comics. So different. And it's also Leroy Lettered, which lets you know that that might be a Max Gaines influence. Mm. Yeah, it could be. could be around that time. And then we continue on. You know, here we are. There, there's your Kamui entry. And so... Um, I don't know where it mentions it. Oh, yeah, first appearance in the comic Monthly Garo. Yeah. Now, this Kamui is not the Kamui that we have from, from Viz. Right. Like, this is the Kamui that Scott McCloud would be talking about in Understanding Comics that has, like, 27 volumes. And I remember thinking, like, holy fuck, there's 27 volumes of that, like, Goseki Kojima-looking Kamui. And that's just not true. You could go to any book off in Japan and for one dollar get those old Kamuis and it's more it's closer to the style that we saw at the beginning which is still rad as fuck like like next time I go over I'm grabbing even more of them <laughs> but it's not that labor intensive highly energetic lots of lines Goseki Kojima looking stuff so this is uh 1975 and at this point I think they were doing like three parts were the plan and I think the first part's the only one that's out at this point they reached a sale of four million copies oh, by yeah. that point yeah good lord i mean yeah think of how many copies that thing has sold now part two is scheduled to begin in the near future so like you know when part two comes out you sell another several million copies of part one and that's why they get to be a dollar at, at the book off you know they're go speaking of goseki kojima dude yes and this is long before it was lone wolf and cub yeah a wolf and his cub which which is probably close to a literal mm -hmm. title and whoever is the person, was it somebody at First Comics? Was it Fred Schott? Uh, like, who was it that coined the, the term, like, Lone Wolf and Cub? Because even uh, the movies, it was called, like, the Baby Cart Trilogy. Right. And, like, Shogun, like, it was not called Lone Wolf and Cub. Who, so, who, so there's some invisible person who coined that iconic phrase, Fred Schott. Gonna be I was going to say, you mentioned baby. Fred Schott. Yeah, I can't looking wait to forward meet to meeting him in person. I can't wait to, like, uh, I would, we should get dinner with him. This was cool. This was something, uh, this is Criminal, and Magnus is one of the artists of the originals, and these were super violent. This is Italian comics yeah, that I was I trying to it. track down in Italy, and they were so violent that it kind of was one of the main comics that changed the Italian comics scene because they had to uh, regulate themselves. Yeah, Bern on, on a page with Bernie Krigstein. This specific Krigstein story, and we looked at the original art in one of our EC artist editions, is like highly referenced by some by my one teacher, Alex Stevens, in the Kubert School when we talk about Gestalt theory, just showing like directional devices. Because when you see these wings get deployed, and how it starts to point to other panels and previous panels, and and connect with like mountains in the background on a panel that's three panels away, like it's incredible design. He's phenomenal, Krigstein just phenomenal and they and they give his you know what happens right so like he leaves comics basically in the 50s uh he's listed in the who's who of american artists as an accomplished painter now and uh teaches at the high school of art and design and i think he taught there maybe into the 90s like i'm always curious when i see somebody went to that school yeah like did they have Kriegstein? Did they know Kriegstein? like yeah Larry give Obama us a, a Kriegstein story you know like that's that's incredible to me 
Dan O'Neill. Nice. Some well, air, do air they, Pirates coverage. Do they talk Air Pirates? Because, I mean, that's his big contribution. You have that right there. Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse perform sex acts. Yes. Uh, the case might have still been going on, dude. 700 grand. Man, I that's like, 1970s money. I feel like you could get public opinion on your side uh, if Disney is suing lowly cartoonists for a million dollars. I think you could get public opinion to to be on your be harder uh, back then you know like, like to manage then. your uh to, to manage media in your direction tesujin 28 uh better known in america as uh gigantor which would be high big influence on like uh Osama, i mean Ketsuhura otomo yeah it's just incredible like like this whole collection really mind-blowing i love this but because it's it's wally wood curve and how foster <laughs> From Tarzan. I love it because it's Wood and Wonder Woman sharing pages together. Yeah. George Wonder gets an entry. And then uh, as we round out of that A to Z listing, you see like Back Matter, History of Newspaper Syndication, which is pretty interesting. That's the Gary Trudeau stuff that I mentioned. Glossary of Comic Terms is really fun. Um, bibliography is just like further reading kind of information. But it's it's a rich book. I you love know? this. It's, it's really loaded with info. And again, like if I had this as a kid... This is how I would speak. This would have been a language that I learned. This would be Klingon for me if I had uh, found this when I was a kid. Absolutely, man. The, you, yeah, screen patterns. You get to know what the dots are. Mind I think, blowing. I think you call the duotone double tone. Yeah, double tone effects. Yeah. And, they, and they show a Buzz Sawyer, Roy Crane example here. Daily strips. Just, I don't know, practical, kind of practical stuff. This is uh, more about the, the people who contributed to the book. So you see some of these Bill Blackbeard. Uh, Manual Odd published a number of the Alex Toth books, like one for the road mm -hmm. that we covered on here. And uh, it's interesting to see him like in a different life. You know, he ends up in California, which is where I guess he hooks up with Alex Toth. But he's here because of his connections to the Philippines. He was native of the Philippines and connected a lot of those artists to American comics publishers. Mark Evanier, yeah, pretty young Mark Evanier, right? Oh, totally. I mean, born in 52. So 23 here contributing to this book kind of cool we can imagine that this is the manga connection yeah and you know it's possible that this could be the guy like i um visited this archive of a complete library of this like reviewer and his entire library was given to this college and it's possible it could be this this person right here. I really want to do uh, look in on the manga collection at the Billy Ireland when we're there at CXC. Mm -hmm. Like that's something I'm real curious about. And you know, like we talk about Frederick Schott and manga manga and how it's like that was a just massive intro for for American readers for manga. Like this has to be one of the first places where you could find out a bunch of information on manga. Like what a service! Absolutely. And it, I mean, it would just be tickling you so bad, like. You would have to try to do anything you could to find it. I remember when I saw a glimpse of Ninja Scroll on TV, and and like I called comic shops like every fucking weekend yeah. to try to get my hands on that thing. That was the Comics Code Authority printed. That was printed up. Rubin Award winners, um, directory of syndicates, and then these are just indexes for. There's three different indexes, so you could search by name, by title, by something else, but. I know the exact illustration because like, I had I had various books like this. I, I had uh, the kitchen sink one that reprinted a whole bunch of yep. strips in order. Uh, I had a bunch of these things, and it's called the World Encyclopedia. And, and as a kid, I remember thinking like, 
looking over at, at the encyclopedias on our shelves and just like, I read those for pleasure as a kid, A through Z, and I would have much rather had 26 volumes of this. I, if I had known about this, I would yeah. have tracked down a copy. Oh, totally. You know what I mean? Like, it just didn't cross my path until recently, and it's so funny the way that works, right? Yeah. Like, seeing it in Hulk back issues that I'm looking at, and then having somebody reach out about it within a month of each other. You know, it's a very strange coincidence, but otherwise, man, I'd have been on eBay tracking this thing down, because it's, it's phenomenal. Absolutely. It's better than a lot of the books I have on comics on my shelf, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, super fun to look, look through, man. And it, I mean, this is something that you know we we regulated ourselves you know like we are the guys who did the seven hour right. comics journal issue right and if you this could was... do a, a channel on this book absolutely man so pretty fun thank you adrian for this good to go i am k favors like follow subscribe to the youtube channel hit the bell we'll notify you when new vids are available what's out the gym hulk grand design the oversized treasury edition is available for pre-order now it will be out before christmas so Pick that up for yourself or that special Hulk fan in your life. It'll look really good under the Christmas tree. And I'm looking forward to seeing pictures of this fluorescent green giant book under Christmas trees. Uh, Street Angel Deadly Squirrel Live is back in print. So hit up your local comic shop to track down a copy of that one. And join me on Patreon.com slash Jim Rugg where you can see more of my comics and art and download some of my out-of-print zines and mini-comics. Red Room Trigger Warnings, trade paperback hitting the stands September 2022. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game. Banned in more than 10 comic shops, banned in more than 28 countries. So you might have to hit up my link tree in the description below this video to put in your orders and pre-orders for current and future Red Room comics. Uh, if you hit up my Patreon while you hit that link tree, you're going to be able to uh, check out the entire archive of Red Room. Uh, so that's a complete anti-social network, complete trigger warnings, uh, 300 pages of stuff and counting. I put up new strips every Tuesday, which will include uh, comics that will be published uh, next year. But you'll get first dibs on those uh, comics. Uh, three books for the archive, like I said. Hit up the link tree. Jimmy, what else do we have out there? Subscribe to the Cartoonist KFAB newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist KFAB t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. Another great way to support the Cartoonist KFAB channel. Give them those marching orders. Jimmy will be on our way. Read more comics.